Kavanaugh, Roe v. Wade, Bob Woodward's new book, Fear, and the Shift Left of the Democratic Party. Folks, welcome back to The Carl Higby Show. This Kavanaugh hearing is shaping up to be something crazy, something that nobody ever even anticipated with the disruptions and the, the partisanship. There's been so much divisive nature over this, this hearing in particular, especially over Roe v. Wade, which we're going to talk about in a little while. But what concerns me the most is the division of the three branches of government. And it was best described recently by Senator Sass. And I want you guys to listen to the entire five-minute segment that Sass explained the differences and the perils of the blurring of the lines of the three branches of government. Senator, thanks for being here. Good to be here. Thanks I want to talk first about the hearing and, and your opening statement in which you kind of laid out the different roles of the, the three branches of government. Why is that such, such a concern when you have this hearing and this nominee standing before you? Because the Congress seems to have forgotten the three branches. I mean, really, schoolhouse rock is it hard. We need a Congress that passes laws and suffers the consequences. The people get to hire and fire the Congress. We need an executive branch that tries to execute the laws that have been passed. And we need judges who judge and not try to be super legislators. And most people in the Congress seem to have forgotten. And is that why it's over hyperventilating that we're seeing? I think so. I mean, I think the lunacy you see when when uh, Judge Kavanaugh is, we, we hear that he hates women, he hates children, he wants dirty water, he wants dirty air, all this nonsense. We've heard it for 31 years straight, ever since the left decided to start politicizing these hearings, and frankly, many on the right have tried to respond in kind with making a politicized court. Since Robert Bork was taken down for a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't real, they think that this is how you're supposed to act every time there's a vacancy. Well, it tells you if you want this much protest around confirmation hearings, if you want this much protest outside the Supreme Court, it means you're trying to have a political body in the court, and it's mostly because the Congress doesn't do its job. At the beginning of this hearing, Democrats <clears throat> raised a lot of points. It's a lot about process. Take a listen. The committee received just last night, less than 15 hours ago, 42,000 pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review. We have been denied real access to the documents we need to advise. Chairman, what is the rush? What, what are we trying to hide by not having the documents out front? So why are they wrong? 42,000 documents last night, 100,000 plus being held by executive privilege. So let's start with a fact. There have been more documents produced related to Brett Kavanaugh's nomination than the last three nominations for Supreme Court justices combined. Why is that? It's because Brett Kavanaugh has done a whole bunch of stuff in Washington, but this claim that kept evolving during the course of the hearing, 90% of the documents hadn't been produced. By the end of the day, it was 96% of the documents hadn't been produced. None of those things are true. What happened is we don't have every document related to George W. Bush's presidency. And since Brett Kavanaugh spent three years as staff secretary, there was a whole bunch of paper that passed across his desk because it was George W. Bush's papers, not because it was Brett Kavanaugh's paper. And so the Democrats are trying to find a way to ask for stuff that they know can't be produced because it can be national security secrets, things related to President Bush's administration. And because it went over Kavanaugh's desk, they're saying somebody's hiding something. It's not true. An unprecedented amount of paper has been handed over. All those Democrats have already declared right. that they're going to vote no. By today's hearing, do you think that, sent, that they have a sense that there's just not the votes? 
I think what you see happening at a hearing like today is not anything that's about doing our job. The, the left screaming about that stuff is not about them trying to do their job. It's not about them thinking they're going to derail Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is an eminently qualified guy, 12 years on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, 307 opinions cited by more than 200 of his colleagues on 100 different court cases. What they're trying to do is compete running for president on the left, and they want to scream the loudest and seem to be fighting the longest um, to try to make the hearing seem political it, when Brett Kavanaugh is just really not that interesting a guy in the sense of scandal. He's a really good judge, and people across the political spectrum who've stood before his bench know that. But don't you think Republican senators would be doing something similar if it was a Democratic president and a Democratic nominee? I, I do think that the left started this fight, but I think both of these parties are really, really lame in teaching basic civics to our kids right now. People on both sides of the aisle regularly talk about the Supreme Court like they're Republican justices and Democratic justices. Kavanaugh today said something great. He said, I want to be a part of a team of nine. There's no aisle in the Supreme Court and there are no private caucus rooms because judges put on a black robe to cloak their personal preferences and their policy preferences from the past. They don't wear red or blue jerseys. They wear a black robe to say, I need to take my policy views and put them in a box and mark it irrelevant because today my job is to be a judge and I have lifetime tenure because I'm not supposed to try to be a politician. See, this is what I don't get here is, is Congress. Let's, let's go back through that segment. Congress does not do its job. And as such, I mean, look, they, they just don't. They, they, they pass bills that don't get to the Senate. And when I say Congress, I include the Senate because that is part of the body. They don't pass laws. They want people to legislate from that bench. They want a Supreme Court that can uphold faulty and shoddy laws that they've passed. And, you know, you you saw Cory Booker, you saw my own senator from Connecticut, Blumenthal and, and uh, Harris, Kamala Harris. They all said that, oh, we don't real have real access to these documents. Ah! But here's the, the fact. The fact is there was a skiff. There's a lot, and, and they talked about how some of those things are not accessible because they're classified or national security or things like that. There was a skiff, a, a secure area, that senators could go view some of these documents they requested. And you know how many showed up? Zero. Approximately zero Democrats in the last few days showed up to go view those documents. And this notion now that because they didn't do their job, they, they look, we're going to talk about this more, but Schumer organized a call for these protests. And somehow they think that because they're morally justified in these protests, that that's how you're going to go. That is mob rule. That's not fair governance. That is not what our founding fathers framed. That is not what's in the Constitution, which is part of the thing that the Democratic Party is trying to break up. They're trying to destroy that. Look, you know where Kavanaugh stands. You know exactly where he stands. It's not a secret. You know where he's going to rule on just about every single issue. He doesn't support an, a an AR ban. He doesn't, Feinstein. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. But you're never going to get him to it to change his mind because that's why he was picked for the Supreme Court, because he won't change his mind. So these hearings are not going to make him alter who he is and what his beliefs are. Roe v. Wade, I mean, these are things you know where he's going to vote. And we're going to talk about Roe v. Wade a little bit later. But, you know, the Democrats have used this, oh, we got 42,000 pages, you know, last night. They're using that as... A stall tactic. Now, I find it highly ironic that all these Democrats are so pissed off about 42,000. Now, they've turned over thousands of pages on him. And also, you can just look at his decisions. They're public record. 
his dissents, his approvals, his... I mean, you can look all this stuff up so you know... Exa- these documents are not part of him. They're part of an, the Bush administration. But these Democrats are so obsessed over those documents. I wish they were this obsessed over the fact that Hillary Clinton's deleted 30,000 emails. Why weren't they this concerned about those emails? Why? Because it was somebody that they controlled on their side of the aisle that they wanted in. They wanted to put her as president of the United States without the documents, without reviewing the documents that were owned by the American people. They're owned by the American people. Now, so in order to push this further down the line, they've you know, Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democratic Party in the Senate, has, you know, they've resorted to this mob rule that we were talking about. They've orchestrated this political fiasco, this spectacle at the hearing. So they... I think yesterday, on Tuesday, they he was interrupted, the, the hearing was interrupted 63 times um, by the senators, by the people on the on, on the panel that are supposed to have good order and discipline. I mean, like, I, I would imagine you could hold them in contempt eventually for certain things like this. So earlier, these 13 liberal groups said, they sent a message to Chuck Schumer with a simple, simple Quote, you're failing us. And they're going to double down. Uh, they want Chuck Schumer to go around conventional governance policy. Look, Kavanaugh's getting confirmed. He's going to get the 50 votes, and he's probably going to get four more. So he'll probably get 54. You won't even need to bring in Pence, who can be the deciding vote in a 50-50 split. So that they want Chuck Schumer to go around governance and install this mob rule of protesting. I mean, we've seen it even today. There's tons of people, dozens of people at coordinated times, shouting, interrupting the hearings, taking time. These hearings are going to go on. These these anarchists that are in there trying to interrupt our judicial system, our, our legislative system, our, our procedures as government because they don't like him. They're being removed, but... At what point do you close the doors and say, everybody out, cameras can stay, but too many people are interrupting, so you're gone. Um, you know, the Democratic Party progressives' base, though, expects this resistance. This They expect and they, they feel entitled to and that their leaders of the Democratic Party should unequivocally oppose everything Trump is doing. <clears throat> they don't even care what it is. All they care about is resist, 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 resist. They don't want any progress. I mean, Americans, listen to this. They don't want any progress, None, no progress whatsoever, because that would be a success for Trump. So they're willing to stop American progress and things that are better for America if Trump is doing it. That, to me, is insane. And, and this is why I think the Democratic Party is in serious trouble here. And we're going to talk a little bit more, more about its slide to the left and why I think it's getting even worse. But this what what the senators on this panel don't realize, or maybe they do, and they're just this is all fiasco and, and optics. But Kavanaugh's getting confirmed because you have Joe Donnelly, Heidi Heitkamp, Claire McCaskill, and Joe Manchin, who are all Democratic senators in red states, and they have to vote for Kavanaugh, or they could lose their seat. And the long play that the uh, Democratic Party is not understanding is that if they push these people to this resistance, the, the Republicans running against these four red state Democrats are going to hammer them on this. They're saying, well, your party did this. doesn't matter if they voted for him or not. The Democratic Party is killing itself here, 
killing itself. You know, look at the record. Joe Manchin, Claire McCaskill, Heidi Heidi, they voted to confirm other people. They voted to confirm uh, the pre- Trump's previous pick. They voted for certain people, you know, despite all the opposition against Jeff Sessions. We got we got him through with Vice President Pence. So what they don't understand is their 49 votes cannot hold up. And to save their reelection, Donnelly, Heitkamp, McCaskill, and Manchin are probably going to vote yes. Because they have to. Otherwise, they're giving up their seats. And then it doesn't matter. You can resist all you want. Then the Republicans will have 55 seats. 55 votes. Now... So all these liberal groups are, are hammering the Democratic Party because they're so short-sighted. All they want to do is resist, resist. You have, and it's the usual ones. It's the Democracy for America, the Daily Cost, MoveOn.org, Demand Justice, um, you know, Credo. These, these are all the known perpetrators. These are the people who go on Craigslist and put ads out, and they pay people, and they do all these things to try to jostle the base and have the Democratic Party revved up but you can't stop this you 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 will not stop the progress of this government now one of the other things now they're attacking him on is that he you know like you said heard in that clip he wants dirty water he blah 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 he hates women no so uh senator hatch uh orrin hatch had an interesting thing he asked a a, a point blank question to kavanaugh said you know, you've been a huge, you've got all these letters of reference from people who work for him and said you've been a huge proponent and a huge uh, fan of women's rights. You've been pushing women to excel. You've, you've been a, a mentor. You've, you've advocated for them in their careers, in their careers in law especially. And it goes against the whole narrative of um, what the Democrats want you to believe, that he is this just crazy right-wing guy that doesn't want women or anything so when i'm glad hatch brought this up because it paints him in the light that he truly is and when when you have people opposing based on facts that that don't exist they're not real then you you need to honestly examine not only your party but your supporting base like I said, those senators are going to lose their their seats if they vote against this guy, Donnelly, Manchin, Heitkamp. Um, so what they're doing is they're trying to make this about um, they're trying to make this about two issues primarily. What, the first one is guns, which we saw Feinstein this morning talk about the AR-15 ban. She said, "Well, why do you need them?" And and it was it was an argument. And Kavanaugh said, "Look, it's it's about precedent. It's about the fact that these are readily available, common commonly held." And she tried to make it about emotional. Well, how can you justify that when they're going into schools? Well, how how about the fact that they fire at the same rate of fire as a pistol? They don't shoot as far, but a pistol can do far more damage. Yet most of the murders out there are being conducted by pistols. Handguns. But we're not seeing people who want to... Well, we do. We are seeing people who want to ban those, but they won't outright say it right now. Now they're going after ARs, which is, by the way, it's like 
of the 300, I think it's actually more than that, it's like 15% of the 300 and something million guns on, out there are AR-15s. So you just suddenly make all these people criminals like you did in Connecticut. These people are idiots. The second issue they're making this about, they're making about Roe v. Wade. Um, now, Roe v. Wade is, you know, the, the history of Roe v. Wade is very difficult. So it was, it, it was a landmark decision, and it was, it was done. Actually, Roe is, and I'll get into this, Roe was a, a pseudonym. It, was, it wasn't even a real name. So this, hap- this came down in 1973 by the Supreme Court, and it was an issue of constitutionality of laws that criminalized or restricted access to abortion. The court ruled 7 to 2 that a right to privacy under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment extended to a woman's right to have a decision about abortion. But that right must be balanced against the state's interest, you know, in, in regulating abortion. So states, under the 10th Amendment, states had some say in it. So this protected women's health and protecting the potential viability of a human life. Now, arguing that these state interests became stronger over the course of a pregnancy, the court resolved this, and this was the, the balancing act, but trying to regulation of abortion during the third trimester of pregnancy. So, <clears throat> you know... Later, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the court rejected Roe's trimester framework while affirming it's a central holding that a woman has the right to abortion un- until fetal viability. Fetal viability. Now, technology changes the viability of a fetus. So these late-term abortions that Planned Parenthood literally wants you to be able to abort up to the day that you give birth is insane. So now, in this case... Uh, they acknowledge that viability may occur between 23 and 24 weeks, or sometimes earlier in the light of medical advances. So I, this is the same, uh, what, what I don't understand is people cheer for the fact that we found a frozen organism 10 miles beneath the soil on Mars and said, we found life on Mars, but are refusing to admit the fact that a fetus at 21 weeks is life. I'm not an abortion drumbeater. Folks, I don't. I'm not one of these hardline right. You know, like I believe that there is a, ne- a necessity for abortion in our society. Do I want to pay for it? And absolutely not. Do would I have an abortion or my family have an abortion? No. I don't. I don't believe in it. But I do understand the necessity for economic reasons. For you know, early, early on, you know, you don't like wait 12, 15 weeks and decide. Well, you know, and now's a good time to abort. No. And I've met people who have gone through these abortions aside from, you know, these left-wing comedians that are on uh, Comedy Central, like Michelle Wolf. Like, people don't enjoy abortions. Like, it's a very emotional time for a woman. Stop making it about the, you know, this political talking point. So, you know, the irony here is dating back prior to this in the United States in 1821 that was one of the first abortion cases Connecticut my home state the constitution state ironically enough passed the was the first state to criminalize abortion so what happened in Roe v Wade what came up to it is in 1969 a 21-year-old woman Norman McCorvey she was pregnant with her I think it was her third child she returned to Texas where at the time, abortion was legal for her friends advised her to assert falsely that she had been raped. Okay, so this woman claimed she was raped in order to obtain a legal abortion. However, comma, she knew that she was falsifying this. There was no police report, so it failed. They didn't have the documents to prove this. So 
the other reason they can do it is to save the life of the mother. She couldn't prove that, so she attempted to have this illegal ad- abortion, but they found out that the Texas had shut down the clinics. So she was referred to two attorneys, Linda Coffey and Sarah Weddington. Now, um, sh- this woman ended up having the baby, uh, McCoffey, who is, who is Roe, uh, would end up having the baby before the case was even decided. She put the child up for adoption and moved on from there. But in 1970, Coffey and Wendington filed the suit in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Texas on behalf of McCorvey under the alias Jane Rowe. So the, she was the defendant in the case, uh, or sorry, the defendant in the case was Henry Wade, who represented the state of Texas. So... McCorvey was no longer claiming that her pregnancy was rape or that her life was in danger because she'd already given the child up. But and and ironically, rape is the, the her false claims of rape here, her willingness to go outside the law, were never included in the in the judicial opinions. So, um, at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, it was unanimously dis- declared that the Texas law was unconstitutional. And it violated the right to privacy found in the Ninth, uh, Ninth Amendment. So it spooled up and up and up and up from here. But that's the history of this. The, you know, the court deemed abortion a fundamental right under the United States Constitution. Seven to two. Thereby subjecting all laws attempting to restrict the standard of abortion. So uh, this was something that, you know, is it settled law, as, as many on the left want to say? Yes, it kind of is. But when you the, the issue is when you have all these political operatives making an entire confirmation about will you uphold or not uphold a certain thing is, is political pandering. It's not, he's going to look at the actual judicial merits of the case. And is it, in fact, a right to privacy? Is it a right? We'll find out. You can't ask him to hear that case in front of the Senate based on a, a biased senator's opinion. It is so dangerous for the Senate to be voting for our judicial body based on opinions on politics. I mean, this is really dangerous. And I want people to understand how dangerous it is because then you no longer have an independent court system. That's why they wear the black robes, like the uh, Sass said, but they also have lifetime appointments, so they don't have to be swayed. They don't have to worry about a re-election. Now, in order to strike and pull at your heartstrings, what the left does is they use these emotional buzzwords and that, they, that, that only fit their narrative. Of course, they only permit, uh, have their, their meaning. So things like settled law. Now... Dianne Feinstein has used this. Many other people have used settled law. But so the Second Amendment is settled law, yet they try to regulate everything around it, you know, from ammunition to the type of weapon with it has a pistol grip or how many you can put in the magazine. So this is clearly a talking point for the left. Settled law. They want Kavanaugh to leave it alone. They want him to commit to leaving it alone. Which you should not have him commit to that. You should have him... The, the right answer to that is, I'm, I will look into it. If a case is heard, I don't know how I would rule based on the evidence uh, put forward because it hasn't been put forward yet. So, it would... 
stop trying to get him to upend that. And then there's super precedence. There's, you know, there's precedent, and then there's these new super precedent, like Brown versus Board of Education, which ended the state-sanctioned school segregation. Fine, great. Yes, I believe if under any court nowadays, if you brought that to a court, it would be upheld. Because segregation is wrong. Now, despite the fact that many people on college campuses now are resegregating themselves and they're saying, you know, this is for whites only, this is for blacks only, you know, this is for Muslims only, like there's a Muslim prayer room, I forget which campus, that nobody else can go into unless you're Muslim. But So there, we've literally devolved into self-segregation rather than regulatory segregation. But I, I, I just, I, I don't understand why they use the buzzword super precedent, you know, originalism. It's a legal philosophy that's become associated with conservative jurist, originalist. Why? Because we interpret the Constitution as written, not as a living, breathing document. As so many other people on the left want it to be, oh, it's supposed to change. You know, the, when the founders found, wrote the Constitution, there were no AR-15s. Yeah, guess what? There was no social media either, but that's here. It's a framework. That's why they put arms, not muskets or cannons. By the way, you can still own a cannon under the Constitution. And the Ginsburg rule, the unwritten rule that judicial nominees lean on during confirmation proceedings to avoid declaring how they might rule on issues they could face in the courtroom. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she said during a confirmation hearing in 93, yeah, it's, it's been that long, that she didn't want to preview her rulings on certain subjects by expressing opinions. But in the 25 years since that happened, nominees from um, both parties, I mean, it's, it goes on both sides, have leaned on this to sidestep tough questions. And, you know, th this was th this was stuff was all on Politico this morning, trying to, um, you know, I'm trying to decipher what the, the biggest fight is here. They use things like, um, you know, words that, that tug at people's heartstrings in order to get them to, to sway public opinion because this hearing is not about Kavanaugh. This is about votes. They're appealing to the American people. They're trying to tell the American people that they are fighting for them and they're fighting for what they believe in is right and, and we can't let evil Trump and Kavanaugh... I mean, it has nothing to do with Kavanaugh. I mean, let's be honest here. If the Democrats put, or if the Republicans and Trump put up Jesus Christ on that stand to be the next Supreme Court justice, they would find a reason not to vote for him. They'd find a reason. There's not, no one is safe. No one is safe in this administration. Um, look, hashtag me too. I get it. But they are, they are going after people with such unprecedented intensity that you have to wonder, like, are they interested in governing? Is the left interested in governing? And there's been a huge shot across the bow that the left is eating alive. This guy, Bob Woodward, he wrote this book called um, Fear. And it's about the Trump White House. And it's, again, unconfirmed reports, and you've already had Secretary Mattis and a number of other people come out and say this is complete BS, it's not true. John Kelly actually called it in his White House statement BS. And some of the things that they have in there that um, is that this administration is basically 
infighting, imploding. It's depicting it as the White House aides trying to, you know, run the roost and lock Trump out. And everybody talks junk about Trump behind the scenes. And it's disgusting. It's unconfirmed reports. And so many of these are being refuted now. So many. Like, there's there's no way to prove them. It's It, it honestly is like, it's the same thing with Fire and Fury. They wrote these things and had no backing. I mean, look, at least Omarosa took recordings. They didn't amount to anything. But I think that's what it is. There isn't anything. And they're making these claims. And it doesn't matter if they're true. The mainstream media doesn't care if it's true anymore. They just run with it. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine this? Someone made this allegation. But he's not, he's not, there's, there's nothing to back it up. So, but the fact that, the mere fact that he's made the allegation has now damaged the, the and it's created probably infighting within the White House, which is making it un, unstable, which is exactly what they want. Because now people are looking over their shoulder like, oh, are you going to leak something if I say it? Like when Kelly Sadler said the thing about John McCain innocently that he was going to die soon. And that gets leaked out. Because everybody's looking to stab everybody else in the back. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are looking to stab each other in the back. And that, to me, is, is really frustrating. It's really frustrating. Let Trump govern. He's not making things worse. He's not, you know, trying to take away your abortions. He's not trying to, you know, what did Joe Biden say? Put people back in chains. He's not trying to do that. This is the freest, most wealthy society with the greatest job growth we've seen in a long time. And you got to give them the chance. You got to give them the chance. You got and I said this, I spoke to a bunch of people in Bridgeport, mostly Democrats, almost exclusively black community. And I said, I'm not asking you to like him. I'm not asking you to like me. I'm just asking you to give him a chance. Give him a chance to show. And you know what? Black unemployment is at the lowest ever. That's a good thing. But when you have books like this that undermine the good work, this is slander. This is absolutely slander. He's making wild claims that the Secretary of Defense has gone off the rails against the president, blatantly disregarding orders, People taking documents off the president's desk so he doesn't see it. That's treasonous. We got we got to put a, a, a stop to some of this stuff because it, it's really going to uh, hurt the country in the long run. It's going to hurt the country as much as it will if we continue if the left continues to slide left. And we've seen this as Anya Presley. She won the primary in Massachusetts um, against a ten-term, um, a ten-term, a ten-term uh, incumbent. And the issue was she slid far left. I mean, she is she is lockstep with Cortez or Casio Cortez, and. I, I I see that as a bad thing. I really do. These far left loons. They they they're they're hijacking. Well, it, look, they're going to lose in November. I don't I don't think people are going to elect 
someone who's advocating for the same governance principles as Venezuela. But this is where the left is going. And that's that's unfortunately like the, the Kavanaugh hearings. Those are the left bases that with the money and the backing that are trying to, that are influencing the course of this country, especially on that side, letting you, you know, telling you who to vote for. This far left radicals, they're rising in the Democratic Party. You've got Keith Ellison at the number two helm. He's running for an uh, uh, what, attorney general of Minnesota. You have somebody who this is somebody who made who has has been pro Sharia law, which directly contradicts what we what we do here in America, how we do how we live our life here in America, and it's it. Look, I'll say, Democrats, go ahead. Take on this because you're going to lose big league. But it's going to cost everybody. These, socialism doesn't work. How do you rename it anything you want? You can call it democratic socialism. It's still socialism. You know, um, Charlie Kirk's made that point a number of times. and Or, or Casio-Cortez came out and said, I had the honor of meeting Presley, and our BFF applications are already in. I'm sorry, are we going to the mall or are we going to Congress? Are we going to the mall shopping to get some shoes? No? You're running for Congress. Representatives of the United States of America. And you say these kind of things? This is, I mean, these are coming from people who don't understand basic economics. Basic economics that, to be honest, aren't even taught in school so much anymore. Folks, I'm I'm concerned. I'm very concerned. I want people to understand that we are headed down a path where there's no middle ground anymore. It's it's only left or right. You You can't be in the middle. So... I ask people to vote with their brains. Don't listen to the talking points. Don't vote with your hearts based on someone telling you that the Republicans want dirty air and dirty water and and you know, don't listen to that. Do your research. This is all fact. This is science. This is stuff that I have honestly I've seen the worst parts of socialist and communist governments. And we don't want that here. Thanks for tuning in to the Carl Higby Show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Carl Higby or go to www.carlhigby.com. Thanks so much, folks. Look to hear from you next time.